0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel.
1: You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 57, featuring the top five underappreciated characters. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks podcast. And tonight, we have a pretty cool new angle for our topic on this episode, and that angle is underappreciated. And I like that because we've got a bunch of underrated topics on the show, pretty pretty regular series here on Trek Ranks. But this is like a little bit of a deviation from that because underappreciated is a very different thing. And I think we're going to have a. It's just this is a good setup to have a real cool Star Trek conversation because I have no idea where we're going to go on this topic. You can define it however you want. Top five underappreciated characters. All right. So joining us tonight for this topic, two returning Trek rank specialists, both making their second appearance after very long gaps, too long. First up, this topic was actually her idea, and I'm super fired up to finally get her back on the show. She was one of our best Trek friends, and she actually was on the first ever episode of Trek Ranks, episode one. <laughs> it's Heather Barker. Welcome back, Heather, to the show. She's one of our strongest voices here on Tri Corner. <laughs> Heather, go. You're here.
0: I'm 10 episodes too late. I've <laughs> surpassed 47 to 57. And I would just like to put out there, if you'd like to hire me to come up with ideas for your podcast, for your podcast topics. Heather
1: is available for all of your podcasting needs. And also with us tonight from the England Quadrants, one of the hosts of the great 10 Backwards podcast, Mr. Rick Everson. Welcome back to the show, Rick
2: hi jim really happy to be back thanks so much for having me back
1: i'm fired up so we had heather on our first show top five comfort food episodes and you were on episode 19 our top five ben cisco episodes so yeah i've been trying to get both you guys back on forever and i'm
2: fired up
0: i'm thrilled because i think this is the first time rick and i have actually shared any airspace or talking
2: it is. Yes. Um, I've said before on Twitter, like Heather, you're like um, my podcast inspiration. I, so, many <laughs> I listen, so many of the ones I listen to were because of your recommendation back on I sort of started getting into them. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh,
1: perfect. Oh, that's so great. Rick. I, I'm glad you guys are on the show together. Uh, Alright, well let's get into this. this is going to be an awesome conversation I love this topic, I just want to start going But first, we're going to do our quick Trek Ranks recalibration
2: What are you recalibrating? Everything um, it's, it's a sweeping uh, A recalibration of all systems
1: As regular listeners will know General order number one here at the Trek Ranks podcast Is that we love Trek And we love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics Just to get the conversation started Infinite Diversity in infinite combinations. And as the Vulcan master and young, angry Tuvok just said, our mantra here at Trek Ranks is no wrong answers. Our show is about all the reasons we love Star Trek. We're not here to nitpick or to argue, but just to celebrate the greatness of Trek. We love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline, and now Discovery as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black Black Alert. Black Alert. And a quick reminder that Discovery season one and season two spoilers, as well as Discovery short Treks, are potentially in play. So uh, yeah, we could we could see some Discovery talk tonight. We'll we'll find out. And one more reminder that we use the term episodes as a quick shorthand phrase, but the 13 films are always eligible for selection as well. Open hailing frequencies.
2: Hailing frequencies open on viewer.
1: And you can find Trek Ranks on the interface links at TrekRanks.com and at the Tricorder Transmissions.com. And you can contact me directly on Twitter at TrekRanks or at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609 512 LLAP. That's 609 512 5527. And for those of you enjoying all of our shows here on the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network, we've got a little bit of everything. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. Okay, Heather and Rick, why don't you guys let everybody know how they can get a hold of you on the net access interface, Heather?
0: I am LLA Posper on Twitter and also Instagram, but unless you like fencing photography, there's no reason to follow me there except for the one week I'm at STLV. So Twitter, Twitter's where it's at, y'all.
1: Twitter is where it's at for Trek Ranks, for sure. And uh, Rick, how about you, man?
2: Uh, I'm mainly on Twitter, uh, at TrekFanRick or at 10Backwood.
1: Love that. Uh, and, And your current twitter name the sacred chalice of of rick is
2: yeah sacred chalice i was so pleased with myself when i thought of that one (laughs)
1: all right we are now ready to activate our level one diagnostic and get into today's topic
0: diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds
1: so for this week's diagnostic cycle, we're each gonna quickly pick one non-trek underappreciated character from a film or TV show or literature just to get a taste for what our Trek picks are gonna look like. And this was not actually very easy to do. This topic was a this is an interesting topic. So, Heather, do you have a non-trek underappreciated character you wanna highlight here as we get into the, the diagnostic cycle?
0: I do, I do. Um, this was so difficult because I, I do feel like most of my favorite characters or the ones that I think of foremost are generally very well appreciated. Yep. Um and so I, I apologize if this is a bit of a cop out, but I think that um the 13th doctor, Miss Jodie Whitaker, is highly underappreciated because she came in filling very big shoes, being the first woman doctor. And I think that the first season um, with her was so incredibly well done. There were two episodes especially that stood out as some of the most phenomenal sci-fi that I've ever seen. And I don't think she gets enough appreciation for all that she had to deal with across, you know, coming in as the first woman, dealing with all this pushback from fans. Mm -hmm. I don't see her talked about enough. So she is my pick for underappreciated character
1: that is an awesome pick and i i love it because when i think of her as being underappreciated cuz i think that's totally accurate it was also the expectations there were such high expectations from whatever angle you were looking at that character even if you were like a woman couldn't wait to see a woman portraying the doctor or you know some angry fanboy that was upset about it whatever the expectations were it's almost impossible to meet those at that point in time of this franchise so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i can see and, and that was kind of the reaction it was kind of like yeah it's great having a woman doctor but there was a lot of that so i felt
0: like there was a lot of enthusiasm you know especially from other women um and and men who were allies of women yeah. uh leading up to it and then throughout this season like i was watching it kind of behind the airings um but i didn't i just didn't see the reception that i thought I would see I felt like there there wound up being a lot of criticism and that actually plays into some of my picks for this episode when we talk about defining underappreciated I think that is not just fan response but also how they're handled by writers and so on and so she just seemed perfect
1: you you just hit on my prime directive so that's that's perfect (laughs) so how about you Rick who was your underappreciated character
2: Oh, uh, this this was a tricky one, uh, mainly because um, I hardly ever watch non-Trek stuff. Uh,
0: <laughs> it's so true. I was like the guy that fired the phasers.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a good one. Um, but yeah, it, it did hit me earlier on and I thought, ah, and I was thinking, because this kind of ties into how my prime directive goes, uh, Bagheera from The Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy is clever and he's trying to help Mowgli out. Mowgli resents him the entire way through, doesn't listen. Baloo comes along and he's all taken by him. But Garrick is, is literally underappreciated the whole time where he's just working tirelessly to try and help this guy out and, and save him getting eaten by a tiger.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's, that's a very good one. And that's uh, that covers a bunch of uh, avenues with film and literature. I'll, that's a great pick too. Yep. Awesome. All right. So for my, I, I listed two and I chose two because both are so deep cut. No one is going to even know who I'm talking. about. <laughs> so first I hope somebody, I hope you know at least one, but uh, you're probably not going to know either one. All right. First up is from twin peaks and it's the character of Albert. And he was played by the late Jose Ferrer, who was actually in star Trek three at the con of the Excelsior. And he played this foul mouth, foul tempered FBI agent, that everybody loved to work with. He was like friends with agent Cooper, but he was just always grumpy and complaining. And he was hilarious and interesting. And he was seen far too little in, in twin peaks. And I think he is underappreciated. And you guys know who I'm talking about?
0: No. No, Good. That's (laughs) perfect.
1: Perfect. You're you're definitely not going to know this one. This one is from the Americans who a lot of people have seen, but uh,
0: it's on my list, but I haven't gotten to watch it yet. It's a great
1: show. There's this character. He was, the he was agent stan beemans who's like the lead fbi agent actually it's another fbi partner that's so funny anyway it's his partner the guy's name's dennis adderholt and he was this he's just like the coolest 80s like tv character ever i want to watch a whole series about this the actor is brandon j dearden he was a little bit of a heavy set guy with a big bushy mustache he was awesome if you've seen the show you know who i'm talking about he's kind of this background uh character in the in the on the fbi side and i would watch a whole show about that guy totally underappreciated if you haven't seen it don't bother looking up you'll never find it okay that's <laughs> this topic is interesting let's uh let's move on and let's jump into our prime directors and figure out how we actually narrow down our trek list. i do not concur with your captain's decision She's following our prime directive.
2: Define prime directive.
1: So, Heather, let's start with you. What was your prime directive in defining your underappreciated characters?
0: I'm trying to give myself a time limit. I don't know if it's going to work. So when I came up with this topic, um, I was thinking about a character in particular who is on my list. So I'm not going to spoil that. Um, but I was thinking about characters who I happen to really love that I don't feel get the appreciation that they deserve. Um, as I went along, like thinking about other picks, I wound up going down a very feminist route, which I try to steer away from that because I turned into characters that again are underappreciated by fans, but then also underappreciated by writers, and I think that those two work hand in hand, and so. I didn't want it to be like this overly negative impression. Like, we're a positive show here at Trek ranks right? And I'm a positive, positive advocate. So I wound up picking characters. Some are a bit underrepresented in the way they were written um, and in, in fan reception, but others are basically heroes of the episode that they are episodes that are well known but when we think about that episode we don't think about those characters and so that's who I really wanted to highlight with a lot of them.
1: That is awesome and it's actually really similar to how my list unfolded <laughs> so I'll talk about that in a second but Rick let's get to you first. What uh, how did you narrow down your list?
2: Okay uh, this is a tricky one but I kind of started to think about unappreciated thinking um, and there was one particular one that got me that is in my list. And I just thought of a time where I thought that character is being no one is appreciating what he's done and what's so I'm thinking very much in story unappreciated characters or where where our other characters don't appreciate maybe the job or the efforts or even you know what what this character represents. And they they're I, I sort of come away from an episode thinking, those guys didn't would not are not appreciating or being unfair to these these characters. And that's kind of where my list has come from.
1: That's cool. So yours is more of an uh, in-universe list. Almost entirely in-universe. Yeah, that's cool. See, that's so cool because mine is not that. (laughs) And mine is more – because I'll tell you, mine uh, is very similar to what you did, Heather. I I started thinking about what underappreciated means to me, and then I realized that nothing in Star Trek is underappreciated by me. I love it all. (laughs) (laughs) So then I started thinking – Trying to pick characters that are maybe underappreciated by fans. And then I hit on just what you said, Heather. I, I kind of went to where the writers and creatives were underappreciative in how they uh, portrayed that character just in terms of quality or or prominence or quantity. Yeah. So so it was a little bit I have a mix of both of those things. And yeah, that helped me me frame it a little bit. So just characters that I think are maybe wrongly overlooked and not given enough credit. So, yeah, it's gonna be, this is going to be really cool to see how, how it goes. And, Rick, I'm so glad you have something completely different. That's gonna be. <laughs> Okay, third Ramana let's get into the Order of Things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the Order of Things. And just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the Order of Things... First, each of us will reveal our original Trek Rank's five words and a hashtag summary to tease our pick. Then we'll reveal our underappreciated character and the episode that we think best defines that character. And at the end, we'll rattle off a few secondary system selections if any of us uh, have any. And as always, if we have any duplicates tonight, you'll know it when you hear the Defiant Torpedoes.
0: I'm going to be shocked if we do.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know. We might. We'll see. Okay, Heather, let's start with you. What's your number five pick for your top five underappreciated characters?
0: Oh, man. All right. So this is someone that I think about a lot when I think of the episode. Um, the episode is Plato's Stepchildren. So this is an episode that everybody knows because this is the infamous Spock and Ahura kiss. kiss. Yep. Um, which, you know, it sounds really great to advertise it as the first interracial kiss, which there's, you know, talk about whether it is or not. Then you think about, oh, it was forced, blah, blah, blah. But there is one person in this episode that is the key to them surviving. So my five words are the kiss is overrated. My hashtag is Alexander the Great. And my character is Alexander. Um, and I picked Alexander because despite the fact that he, he goes through a little bit of a journey, we see a lot of different things. Um, he's the character um, that is a little person for those that don't know. And he basically is kind of their, their contact point um, throughout the episode. And so he, he comes in. And what I really do love about this episode the most is that Kirk's, Kirk makes it pretty clear that, you know, where he comes from, it doesn't matter what you look like. And, and that's a big part of what I take out of this episode. And Alexander is really comforted by that fact. But his his empathy is with Kirk Spock um, and McCoy. And so he goes through a lot of emotions um where he's you know he's been manipulated by these people for a long time. he's there really for their entertainment more than anything else. He gets really angry and he wants to wind up killing um whomever he can and and at the end of the day he's a very crucial part in and saving everyone um and especially McCoy and so when I when I think about this episode like and I think what most people think about is the kiss mm-hmm. and not Alexander he's the hero <laughs>
1: yes I love this pick. it's so fantastic um <laughs> I love uh the actor who played him who Was in uh, he was in the Wild Wild West, another one of my favorite shows, Michael Dunn. And that I love this pick, he played Dr. Uh, Loveless on Wild Wild West for anybody. It's so cool, it's the best part of that episode. There's no question about it. It's the best part of that episode is all the interactions with Alexander, no doubt.
0: Yeah, it's it's really one where you know, again, like it is heralded. As, as having that kiss and like this is a really great thing and it was so controversial at the time and it wasn't shown on many networks because of what it was portraying. Um, and I think there is value in that too and that's a whole other podcast uh, perhaps, of but... But I just, I do love that this is a time where we do see a little person and we just, we do get that really positive message. And he winds up being, you know, a very, uh, the cornerstone really of this episode for me. And so I think of him, I think of him when I think of this. And that's why I wanted to celebrate him. Uh,
1: It's it's really cool framing of underappreciated because when you think about that episode, his storyline is 100% underappreciated. Rick, what's your take on Plato's stepchildren?
2: That's fantastic. Alexander's story—he's kind of the epitome of underappreciated. and yeah. The way he's <laughs> treated it is is entirely unappreciated his whole life, Uh it's he, he's so he's always been kind of the the heart of that story. I think
0: yeah. because it's,
2: it's he him who's had to go through this the whole time. The Enterprise crew turn up and have forty-five minutes of this treatment, but and he's had to live it. I
1: love that because it he's it's underappreciated in the universe and and out of universe, mm. so. Yeah. That's awesome. Great pick, Heather. Okay, Rick, how about you? Who's your uh,
2: number five pick? Right, my five words are crew mean to chatty man, and my hashtag is call me Hutch. Oh, oh, oh no. I'm going to start crying. He's so unappreciated. All yeah. right, <laughs> Commander oh. Hutchinson from Starship <laughs> Mine. Um, I just, this, and in fact, when I said about my... Um, Prime Directive, this is the inspiration for the unfairly treated. It's yes. always bothered me the way the crew treats uh, poor Hutch. He, he does nothing but extend hospitality to the crews that visit his facility, a facility that literally clears their ship of a build-up of a crazy radiation that could eventually kill them. Yeah. Um, if you take your car for a clean and valet, you might, at the luckiest, get a cup of coffee. He puts on buffet, drinks, they've got the whole chance to relax in our area, and he's just friendly and chatty. And, they, and what do the crew do? They mock him, they laugh at him behind his back. Even his own staff collaborate with terrorists and ultimately kill him. Aww. And all he's done is be nice and put on a little party for, for some people. I mean, they literally, they stun Geordie, these guys. They kill Hutch. I know. So they specifically, they wished him harm. It and, is brutal. Oh, sorry you <laughs> go and then to our crew, do they grieve for their fallen fellow officer? And do they regret how they treated him? No, they just dump a sheet on him and never mention him. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's so
1: brutal. So true. I have nothing to add to that. He is so underappreciated. In-universe, in underappreciated. It's terrible that, that he died. It's like, why did yeah. they have to kill him? Oh, my God. Heather, your take on poor Commander Hutchinson.
0: Yeah, damn you, Morgan Gendel, for writing it this way. Um, no, I think that that's an excellent example of these characters that are like totally great, awesome people um, that are sort of used as plot devices here or there. Or it's like, you know, again, why did you have to to kill him? But I find that this is also kind of a consistent theme. With a lot of characters that that are underappreciated, like they they pop in and they are this pivotal character for an episode, um, or just you know the one staple like really good person. And I think they kind of maybe assume that we're going to acknowledge that and then be sad because of the death. Uh, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, man, I'm on board with that. That's my kind of hero.
1: Yeah. That's a fantastic pick, right? <laughs> okay, all right, I'm going to completely change gears here. One thing I didn't mention in my Prime Directive is that I was, I was going pretty big with my characters, too. I uh, hit on a lot of series regulars, of which this is one. And my five words and a hashtag, let the regulations be damned. Hashtag, shields! Shields! And it is Captain Sulu from the Voyager episode flashback. From season three of Voyager, I almost picked the undiscovered country, but instead I decided to go with flashback because I think that's a little bit more appropriate. I like like what we see of Sulu there. But when I was a kid, I honestly I'm not sure why, but Sulu was like my favorite character when I was a kid. I just always thought he was super cool. I always you know he didn't want to pick like the big hero, so I always kind of picked Sulu as my as my my number one. And I think he just gets short shrift, and he's he's you know for someone that was an original Trekkie in the 70s when he shows up as the captain of the excelsior in star trek 6 it's like such an epic moment that's like a huge uh, world building moment for star trek that now it's like oh my god uh, sulu is not a captain of a starship out there it's just expanding the universe in a, in a really awesome way and i feel like he is underappreciated as a character uh, overall and obviously there's the cool tie into the having a japanese officer on the bridge as well you know 20 20 years removed from world war ii which is what that meant and and obviously what it means for george takei and his history with uh being in internment camp as as a child so pretty cool part of trek history and i feel like sulu the character is underappreciated uh rick what's your take on that one
2: yeah absolutely agree sulu um should. There was so much potential and he could have had so much more when you consider George Takei had campaigned for Sulu to get that captaincy since right. the second movie and it took till the sixth one to get him. And uh, yeah, absolutely agree. It's a fantastic choice.
0: I'm so tempted to go into the social commentary about how Asian actors are treated in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I won't, um, but I think that this winds up being a fairly common theme Um With some of our Asian actors, I I I totally agree. I think that I feel like there there, are there novels where Sulu gets some better stuff happening as captain. I think there might be. I don't know. I wouldn't say that this is yeah the best.
1: No, there's some truth there, and I mean the memory and Graham. This I would think I would say about this episode should have been more fun, and it just wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. But but Sulu brings it, and he is awesome in it. So okay, let's go to round four. And Heather, what's your number four pick?
0: All right. Honestly, like he should be a little higher in my rankings. Um, it was it was really difficult to rank these. So again, not totally obscure, but one of my favorite Enterprise episodes is Carbon Creek. And I think that that episode, when we talk about it, we really tend to focus on T'Pol because it is kind of known as a T'Pol episode. Whereas my five words, which would be the one in the beanie, um, who is hashtag willing to take the risk, is Mestral. Um, I think that you know he was so imperative and encouraging everyone to be like, you know, we're here. Like, we need to socialize to survive on this planet. Um, and not only did he did, did he do that, but he really, you know, forged connections. Like, he found a love interest. Um, and then he w- wound up saving people from the mine. And whereas, sure, this is a, a great episode for some character development for T'Pol, like, he, again, is the hero of this episode, in my opinion. So I think that, I, I I picked out a quote for him and it was perhaps if you spent more time observing human behavior, you might not have such a pessimistic view of him. And that was him talking to to Paul. And you know, she says, Open your eyes, they revel in violence, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, So did we in the past, but they just haven't realized their potential yet. And so aside from being the hero of the episode, like it's so Star Trek that I just think he is a character who should truly be honored as the star of that episode.
1: I love Mastral. He's fantastic. It's such a great pig. He's totally underappreciated in that episode. <laughs> he is the core, the core of it. And when you said you were gonna do a quote, I thought for sure it was going to be I love Lucy is on tonight.
0: <laughs> no, uh, I, no, I no. <laughs>
2: All right, Rick, what's your take on Mastral from Carbon Creek? Yeah, I love Mr. Ali. He's an awesome character. He, can, he he really makes that episode for me. I think it's kind of great that um, he's he pretty much embodies everything Starfleet is aiming for. He's the one who finds a new culture, yep. and rather than hide, He goes out and embraces it. He wants to experience it. He wants to immerse himself in it. And that's what everything we learn about Starfleet in Star Trek is doing. They mm-hmm. delight in the differences. They delight in the in the exploring, and that and he's that he's that example of that happening with the Vulcans
1: Yeah, I never thought of it in that context that's really really good <laughs> that is so true <laughs> wow that's, a, that's an awesome pick I I, mean, I love that episode and I love that character and that actor J. Paul Bomer plays a bunch of good he also played uh, the 29th century Borg yeah. in the episode Drone and And a couple of Nazis, but we won't talk about those.
0: No, no Nazis.
1: (laughs) All right, let's move on to Rick. What is your number four pick?
2: My number four, all right, my five words. Sentient life kept in cube. My hashtag, more than nefarious fictional character. I'm talking about the hologram Moriarty from Ship in a Bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking a lot about Moriarty. And his, so he's created for Data Sherlock Holmes' Holodeck program. And by an odd occurrence, he attains sentience. He's considered all intents and purposes alive and self-aware. So the crew pause him for four years. And then when Barclay accidentally unpauses him, they end up tricking him into believing he's free and sit him in a little virtual reality cube. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen a movie where living beings are tricked into uh, being trapped in a place and thinking they're in a VR and being in a VR system. It's called The Matrix, and it's completely dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate Moriarty's kind of a villain. He did try and take over the ship, and he's held officers hostage. Uh, I'm not suggesting we let him roam the galaxy straight off, but he is a living being, and they happily stick him in a cube. You know, I mean. Surely he could have some life and purpose on Jupiter Station, helping Lewis Zimmerman with his holographic research.
1: I don't know if we have enough time to tackle this essential topic. Wow. <laughs> a, he is a hologram, but wow. Uh, I think
2: I just think they're not appreciating he
1: is a living being. That is a staggering pick. I, I love it. Wow. I don't even know. It's for sure they uh, – yeah, I can see how you're looking at it. They're, they don't appreciate. I mean, they would never do it to a human, right? So that's yeah. that's the point, right? They would never do that. Or, sorry, not to a human, but to any sentient kind of mm-hmm. living being. So, yeah, boy, when uh, when the doctor, when the EMA from the EMH from Voyager finds out about this, he is going to be pissed that they did that. <laughs> Uh, Heather, what's your take?
0: So it's really funny because apparently this episode was noted by Forbes as one of the top 10 episodes in Star Trek that explored the implications of advanced technology. Um, and I would say hashtag not ready yet. Uh, <laughs> as far in the future as they are, um, it, it, it does raise some questions still about, you know, what we do with with that AI. Um, I think that. You know, I think holodeck episodes get a, a lot of, get a bad rap sometimes. Um, a lot of people like them. A lot of people don't. They feel that they're filler. I love all the Moriarty adventures. Like, I I don't know. I love all the holodeck stuff. I think it's fun. I think it's a nice reprieve from some of the more serious episodes. Um, and yeah, you know, he's a super intelligent person and definitely could have been served better. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in a queue.
1: I I will just say this: I'm starting to think we may not have any duplicates because <laughs> I told you. These, yeah, you did. These lists are. This is. I love this topic. So fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, my number four pick to round out the fourth round is five words and a hashtag. Thankless tasks to follow Spock. Hashtag the second Vulcan. And it is Tuvok from Voyager, and my episode is Gravity. It's one of my favorites, top 20 at Trek oh, season five yeah. of Voyager. And by the way, I would have totally picked Neelix for this topic as well as underappreciated, but we just did a whole episode on him like two episodes ago. So listen to that one instead. <laughs> so i picking Tuvok. I mean, when you think about, he's totally underappreciated as the person who had to follow Leonard Nimoy In Mm -hmm. first to play a Vulcan as a series regular on Star Trek. And there's literally no bigger burden to try to play than that. And Tim Russ just crushes this character. He's stern and he's direct and he's unforgiving, but he's also got that just perfect little hint of of humor and sarcasm and, and that right amount of being a little bit caustic. So it's a real tough balance. He pulled it off i i think the i don't think the writers uh underappreciated him i just i think they gave him some really strong good storylines but i think in trek lore tim russ and the character of Tuvok are underappreciated and i love gravity because it's just it's where it all comes together he's 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 battling with his emotions not only with his feelings for nas but also his annoyance with paris but he's also trying to keep his logical side and solve the problem on the ground to, to get them out of there after a few months. So great episode. Love that uh, character. Heather, what's your take on Tuvok?
0: I'm on board with that. I think that gravity is a really exceptional episode because you do like people. I don't know why people think that Vulcans don't have emotions. Like that is right. a, pretty common misunderstanding among Star Trek fans and beyond. Um, Mm. And that's not the reality. And so I do love that you get to see a display of that and him trying to deal with everything. But um, yeah, I'm right on board with that. When you think about, you know, the, the top Vulcans in Star Trek, I feel like Tuvok is, is often overlooked. And for me, he is one of the strongest characters of Voyager, When I think of Tuvok and Tim Russ, like I can't imagine Tim Russ being anyone else. Like I saw him in concert a couple times. He's been on stage at STLV with his band, and like he's he's like a whole other entity as Tim Russ. Like he is Tuvok for me, (laughs) and and definitely just I I feel like you know T'Pol gets mentioned more than him, and T'Pol also deserves that being one of like two main women in Enterprise, but for the time that he had got to play the character and for everything that he did with the character especially that connection to his family which is something that we didn't get as much of with Spock um that to me i think was just really phenomenal and absolutely agree that he is underappreciated
2: love it rick how about you on Tubok uh Anyone who's ever talked about Star Trek with me for more than five minutes knows I flipping love Tuvok so much. You're definitely my favourite Voyager character. Um, and so, yeah, I completely. I don't think anyone can appreciate Tuvok enough, ever. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> so, he is great. I, I feel maybe he was slightly underused through Voyager. Um, there was a lot. They did give him some rich background things, but I think maybe they didn't always capitalise on it enough. They could have done a lot more. Tuvok stories, but that might just be me. I would love to have had more Tuvok stories. So
1: yeah, me, me too. Although he did have,
2: they did give him some meaty stuff too. But so the angle um, that no one appreciates that he had to follow Leonard Nimoy yes. is, the, is the first regular Vulcan after Spock is is spot on because he does not get the credit for that because that's a huge mm-hmm. job. That is a huge job. And yeah, he's, he's done a master. So he doesn't copy. He doesn't imitate. Right. Two his uh-uh. v- own Vulcan, but he's still very Vulcan. And uh-huh. it's perfect.
1: Yep. I was just about to reiterate that. That is exactly why I picked. Oh, perfect. Okay. Let's move on to the soup round. Heather, what's your round three pick?
0: Oh God. Okay. Okay. I can do this. So Heather hasn't so- settled
1: on her order yet. <laughs> it's,
0: so hard it's so hard i i wrote these like when i put them into my notes they they are in an order and that's the order i'm going with because i think subconsciously that is the order that i chose um so this is the penultimate character she's not my my number one but she is the one that i thought about when i was thinking about underrated characters because um those of you who don't know me i am a, a, a for about a year now i have been long sword fencing and i just recently got my own sword and so a sword needs a name and I needed to think about a character um, uh, who who would be worthy of my sword and whom my sword of would be worthy of and one of my all-time favorite DS9 characters is I'd call her a secondary character but even then she just does not have as big of a part as she deserved so my five words are named my sword after her <laughs> <laughs> My hashtag is DS9's Edith Keeler. I only picked Sacrifice of Angels because it is the one in which we lose her, but it is also just a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Um, Zial appears in many other episodes by the three actresses that have played her. I do have to send special props to Melanie Smith as she is my favorite portrayal of this character who by now you probably recognize as Zial. she is so pure and compassionate and kind and on a space station where we are at war and we have so much dare i say darkness she is the the sunlight there and she is a catalyst for the relationship between kira and ducat she is the catalyst towards pushing ducat over the edge I, I'm not going to talk about what happens with Demar after he kills her because I hate <laughs> Demar for killing her. Um, but I wish of all of the characters in Star Trek, I would have loved to have seen more of Zial because I think that she just she really does embody that super positive, just optimistic innocent persona that reminds me of edith keeler and and i think it was so important to have her there um i i i love i both love and hate that she connects everyone in this way like being a i don't want to call her a plot point or anything but she's she's kind of this central character connecting a bunch of other characters together um i was really impressed with how she kind of came to and was able to stand up for herself stand up against her father um and just you know champion the fact that she was she was one of us you know she was she was one of starfleet um one of those very fine people so ah, okay that's it Yeah,
1: no that's fantastic i this is probably gonna be my favorite pick of this episode i didn't think of Zial, but she's i mean i think most people kind of love Zial, but she's totally underappreciated in terms of the everything she brought to that story and it really sucks that they killed her. I mean, it was a amazing, powerful moment and uh, it might fall into that, that trope of uh, women characters dying to further other stories. Yep. But she was an incredible character and it certainly wasn't a plot point. There's no way. I mean, she was critical to everything that was happening and it's, uh, my favorite Zial, by the way, is Sia Baton. So we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> in a minute. But, uh, she did have three different actresses playing her, which is interesting. Uh, but great character, one of my favorites, and just an absolutely underappreciated element of DS9 for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. What, what were you going to say?
0: I was gonna say I honor her um, by stabbing people in the chest with a sword named after <laughs> yeah. her. So she lives on in my infamy as a swordswoman.
1: <laughs> that's fantastic, Rick. What's your, what's your take on Zial?
2: Oh, that that is a fantastic pick. Um, Zial is treated unfairly. Her whole her whole life is unfair to her. You know, she she's basically kept prisoner by the Breen till well right. most of her early years, and then she has to go on her father's she meets her father and has gone his little personal crusade Mm -hmm. and meets garrick and there's always this little chance of happiness going on and then she in a way represents that Cardassians and bajorans can almost be unified Mm -hmm. in this very idealistic way and then she's killed and it's so harsh it's so horrible and it is like jim said it's totally that thing where they kill a a, a character woman character to further the 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 stories of the men, and it's it's appalling, and it's like actually looking back at what everything she did, everything she brought to the table. What could she have done if she'd if she'd kept going if she'd survived? And it's yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, that that's always the thing. We just talked about this on one of our other episodes previously about Kalar. Uh, mm. um, yeah. And my biggest lament on Kalar is not not about the trope or anything about like that. It's just that if. Star Trek had Kalar for t- t- five more, six, ten more years. The stories they could have told with her would be amazing. And it's the same with Zial. So it's this yeah. feeling of of what we lost, uh, not not out of there. Not to say that that the moments that were portrayed weren't staggeringly beautiful and, and well done.
0: So. Yeah, I feel like they kind of don't totally fall into those tropes because like both of those characters um zeal and kalar like do have a lot of substance themselves i think kalar more than Zial. um so i think that because like they they show some development they show agency and decisions that they they do Stand alone, but definitely wind up falling into that by forwarding a story for other characters and particularly male characters. But it just it reminded me because I did go back and watch some of these episodes just to refamiliarize. And you know, we there's some characters that appear in my secondary systems that we talk about, like you know how much we see of them in an episode, how much we get to know them, and even in ds9 even in tng like all previous Trek, has these characters who you know we get parts of but we don't ever get like a full development like there's so much more that could have been done but it just goes to show like what could have been had we seen more of them and had and, more time
1: and you said at the very beginning of that that uh i mean these characters were weighty they did have uh, a lot of stuff happening so it wasn't they they weren't just showing up and being kind of faceless entities. yeah okay let's move on to Rick's soup round pick what's your number three pick Rick
2: right so my five words are he is listed as missing my hashtag he saved the flipping planet my choice is Will Decker from Star Trek the motion picture <laughs> oh man that's a good joke. So, so he's obviously an ambitious young officer. He's put his time in. He's worked his way up through the ranks. He's gained command of the Enterprise. Obviously, a, g- a guy shows a lot of promise. He's overseen the refit, uh, worked with the crew, rebuilt the ship from the ground up. Then Kirk waltzes in, takes <laughs> command. <laughs> who, who on that crew speaks up for Decker? Nobody. No. Yes, Nobody that this is a little bit unfair. He worked with them on that refit for however long. Um, and then later on, they have that incident with the the engines and Decker stops Kirk using the phasers because they're going to channel through the malfunctioning warp drive. What happens? Kirk takes him off for a full dressing down. When he realizes that, that Decker acted correctly, Kirk still gets on his case with this stop competing with me, Decker. Uh, only McCoy calls Kirk on this behavior. And I don't think that's on Decker's behalf. Just generally, that's what McCoy does. <laughs> um, then Decker's ex-girlfriend is killed. So Kirk... In a full move, a full move of amazing lack of sympathy says, oh, "You work with the probe that's impersonating your ex-girlfriend," <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, Becker essentially sacrifices himself to join with the Ilya probe and Vija to stop it destroying the Earth. And what, what? What's his recognition? Kirk logs him as missing, just missing. He should log him as sacrificed himself to save the world as a flipping hero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, nothing to add to that. That is, af- I mean, he is. <laughs> In universe, I love your list. There's nobody more underappreciated than Will Decker. That guy got screwed. Oh <laughs> Kirk, what are you doing? That that element of the story is just brutal. Oh, oh, that's that's fantastic. Heather, any take on Will Becker?
0: It's it's hard to add to that. It really is. Um, I am I am on board. It I love this because I knew that. Like, I, the, the rest of my picks, there's a pattern, I'll say. And so I was a, I was looking forward to having some more diverse characters, especially male yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, because it's easy for me as a woman to look at a lot of the women in Star Trek and be like, hey, now. Uh, but I think it's important to realize where, you know, Captain Kirk comes in and, oh. It's, yeah, forget you, Will Decker.
1: <laughs> plus, plus Will Decker's dad also died in a fiery yeah. sacrifice. And uh, right, I'm, I'm just going to wish for this. We're not going to talk about it. Ilea dying is also another woman dying to advance the plot. Okay, <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> let's just, we're going to move on from that. Okay, my soup round pick is five words in a hashtag. Unprepared host conquers her fears, hashtag. I don't even like Ractagino. And it is Ezri Dax from Penumbra, from DS9. That's my episode I picked, the beginning of the, uh, the, the, the conclusion of the Dominion War arc. And when you put it into context for this character, it's impossible to think about what they did with Ezri Dax uh, in that last season of Deep Space Nine. This is like the most dense Trek series ever. They're going into their final season with a dozen prominent characters and just tons of storylines. And they're going to weed in a new character thread through one season and make it work and make people care about her. I love this character. I And plus, she was replacing one of the most beloved characters in the history of Trek with Gen Zia, too. So... I think it's incredible what they accomplished and what they did with her. And I think that character is completely underappreciated in Trek. I picked Penumbra because I love that in that episode she just decides on her own I'm going after, I'm going to go save Worf myself if you guys can't save him. And you see that whole story arc there where they finally kind of. Talk and fight and have sex, and then realize that they're really not going to be for each other. So, <laughs> and they move on. So, it's an amazing, yeah. amazing episode, amazing character. I love Esri Dax, and she's underappreciated. Uh, Heather, what's your take on Esri?
0: I'm going to be that Klingon on the USS Glenn and Discovery that goes, shh.
1: Understood. Because, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, Rick. Any take on Esri Dax?
2: Oh, Esri, Esri, Esri. Okay. Um, uh, three things to say on Esri. Really, I absolutely love Esri Dax so so much. There are Heather. You put um, a poll on Twitter. Not uh, I think in the last couple of days. Um, would you say Star Trek has ever saved your life?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And while I wouldn't say that per se. Esri Dax kept me going in a very, very, very bad time. Ooh, interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it it's not an, it's not a great tale to tell on a very positive podcast like this, but essentially, yeah, um, I'm massively thankful to Esri Dax for keeping me going through a terrible, terrible time. And I was really fortunate that I got to thank Nikki DeBoer personally um, a couple of years back for that as well. Um and beyond that, yes, absolutely. She gets no credit for the fact she had the hardest job. She had one year to follow an immensely popular character. It was a really, it was, it was, it was a nightmare us. for anyone to come back in come into on that, to follow Jadzia Dax. And you've got one year to do it as the series comes to an end, but she does it. She's brilliant.
1: Yeah, they really did a good job. Oh, hey, without going into the details, was it, what was it about it that, that she, that helped her character helped you? With? Was it because of her, the way the, the storyline was told or the character
2: kind of conquering your own? I think in, in, it was, it was about being pulled in many different directions and having a lot of different expectations upon you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It was, was uh, that was, that was kind of where I was really relating to it.
1: Well, that's awesome. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate that. Let's uh, all right. We're going to talk about her again. It sounds like let's go to the top of round two, Heather, who's your number two <laughs> appreciated character.
0: All right. If only we could have segued. I mean, I guess it kind of is a segue. Um, but yeah, so my five words are don't flirt with me, Julian. Uh, <laughs> hashtag she's a counselor, not a doctor, which I mean, technically they can be both. Um, but the the episode I picked was actually After Image, which is her kind of her main episode, her first real main episode um, yeah. on season seven. Uh, and she is kind of delving into whether or not she, Ezri Dax, wants to stay on the ship. She's kind of made up her mind. So she is there kind of helping Garrick deal with his, his claustrophobia, his panic attacks while kind of doing a lot of self-introspection and, and figuring out, you know, her own story. And, uh, you know, again, just to reiterate that, you know, Ezri came after probably my second favorite character in star trek after spock um jedzia is just i think the most phenomenal woman in star trek and yeah so again we have this instance where we're trying to not i mean i i, I want to believe that our characters get to stand on their own and it's not so much about filling shoes but i think that because of the trill <laughs> like that that's really what happened and we only got one season with Esri I think if we had had more time with Esri people would have come to love her more but we have you know a bona fide counselor on the ship which is or on the station which is like such a big deal we've not seen that since TNG and I just love her. I love that they went with someone who was different from Jadzia, but who also was just like this extremely, you know, empathic and intelligent, but still kind of learning the ropes. And so you can connect with her more because again, she's, she's not a perfect character. She is someone that is learning as they go and learning about themselves. And so for me, that really resonates and I feel like when we talk about DS9 we talk about Jadzia and Ezri doesn't get the recognition that she deserves. Um, She's just, I think, a really phenomenal character. I was killed here. I mean, Jadzia was. I
1: try not to think about that. If I did I'm not sure that I could come back here.
0: It's a strange sensation, dying. No matter how many times it happens to you, you never get used to it. It must be a little disconcerting for you, knowing that I have Jetzy's memories. No wonder you're uncomfortable. It's a lot to get used to. Tell me about it.
1: That was that was actually a perfect segue, connected right up to my uh, my pick, Esri. Is awesome and after images is a great pick because of uh, all the things she starts learning about herself you know, being joined in that episode. So I love it. Okay, Rick, let's go to your round two pick. Who you got?
2: Okay, my five words are only Guinan will help her and hashtag Picard can't help. Uh, I'm talking about Beverly Crusher in suspicions. Ooh. So, uh, um, I didn't even realize when I picked this. I think today is like the anniversary of when Suspicions first aired as well. That's, um, oh, interesting. Actually, yeah. well,
1: let's let's get this out of the way since I'm, my pick is next. <laughs> my number two pick is also Dr. Beverly Crusher. So now we have two duplicates up. That's crazy. So you picked uh, Suspicions, and I'll just give you my five words and a hashtag, and we can all kind of chime in here, was... Should have been front and center. #Hashtag The Dancing Doctor. My episode was The High Ground from TNG mm. season three. So, Rick, back to you. Let's talk about uh, why you picked Beverly.
2: Okay, so Suspicions has always bugged me a little bit. I love the episode, but at the start, Bev's essentially fired, and she relates the story to Guy, and she because she performed an unauthorized autopsy. The very specific, very emphatic. He can't protect her, and she's basically packing to leave. Um, Gaiin sort of brings it all out, and thanks to her, Beverly's mm-hmm. then motivated to commit some further crimes, which ultimately prove the <laughs> Fringy doctor was murdered, and everyone's forgiven. But all through that, where the where the flip were her actual friends? Why 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 is Gaiin the one who comes in? I I kind of keep thinking of that episode. I think it's uh, I'm sorry to bring it up. Meridian on Deep Space Nine when Jadzia uh-huh. is going to stay on that other planet, yeah. and she gets doesn't you get a stream of visitors coming to see all the, all the regular crew coming to see her and wish and send and sort of wish her well. Beverly doesn't get anything like that. Nobody comes to see her. When Riker wants to command a raid another world because he's in love with, um, with one of them in the outcast, Wolf's like coming in yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> and, and nobody cares. No, nobody's, you know, he's not fired for that. Beverly crushes fired and nobody helps her. And I just kind of feel like the crew aren't appreciating everything she's done.
1: Oh my God, this is so funny. So this is perfect. So you, Because you're picking the in-universe Beverly Crusher for Suspicions, who's totally underappreciated in that episode for everything that she did to uh, prove the murder and, and save the day there. So I picked her because she's just this amazing character that should have been front and center for the entirety of TNG. But not mm. only did they not do that, they fired her for a season. Gates yeah. mm-hmm. McFadden, which is just crazy to me. who's was such a great actress, such a good person. The character had everything, amazing backstory. Um, the writers and the creators of TNG at the front end underappreciated the character of Beverly Crusher for sure. It's definitely a case for me of uh, what could have been. And I picked the high ground because I just love the moment. This is for me is the definitive Beverly Crusher episode where there's this terrorist attack. Things are going crazy. Picard and Data and Worf are just like, we need to get everybody out of here. Get, our, get, get up. Get out of here. And Crusher's like, 100% not leaving until the medics get here. I'm going to help these people. I'm not going. And Picard just quickly realizes like, oh, uh, yeah, of course you're not leaving.
2: Nope, and I'm not,
1: <laughs> and I'm not about to get you out of there either. Because as, as Riker says, I don't want to greet her in the transporter room when she when you beam her up. So love that. She's just an absolute hero. She's a super consistent character through seven seasons and all the movies. And I feel like they could have used her in so many more ways throughout TNG's run. So that's two perspectives on Beverly Crusher. Let's hear yours, Heather, uh, on those.
0: I appreciate both of you so much right now. <laughs> I um so look most most of the women in my life, you know, adore Beverly Crusher and she is up there on a pedestal because for a lot of women my age, um she was, you know, one of the the first women in Trek that had this position of authority because she was a doctor. Um, and yet we still have discussions among, you know, our women circles about how unfairly both she and Deanna were treated. I mean, honestly, sometimes I feel like Guyman was the most well-treated woman um, on the ship. But, yeah, I think, again, this just kind of highlights where you have these strong women characters that, they you know, they're there, they're there for the most part, aside from her break for a year. Um, and she is replaced by another woman, at least. But you have these these two women in these prominent positions for the entire seven seasons, and yet you don't get a lot of conversation, like normal conversations between them. Um, you, you get them talking about the other men on the ship. You don't get to see that intimacy that women build together. And... Uh, To me, it kind of relays again back to like, yes, there have always been women creatives working, um, writing some of these episodes, but it kind of goes to show how some episodes the writers don't quite know what to do with the women. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this was a great example where she's essentially fired and like, of course, everyone would be concerned. Like, we've been with them for how long now? We know how much they care about one another. That makes no sense that no one would be for her or be there for her. Uh, And so I think that, you know, the women kind of get fumbled around. And so I I didn't pick Beverly Crusher um, because she is, I think... A very celebrated character mm-hmm. and a very like, despite the fact that yes, she is underutilized and underappreciated <laughs> a lot of times, she still well, is very well known again.
1: I'll say this because it's your summation's perfect. It's a couple of notes. She's totally not underappreciated by fans. Fans mm-hmm. love Beverly Crusher, so that's great. Yeah, but she's the perfect fit for Rick's pick in universe, and then uh, for mine, it's all about the creatives. It has nothing to do with the character and how it's been, how she was received. It's all about the fact that she should have been utilized, uh, more. And I'll say this, I didn't realize this when I picked it. Cause I love the high ground. I think it's a totally underrated episode. Guess what? Written by a woman directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. So interesting, uh, side note. Yep. All right. Any, any final thoughts on, uh, Beverly there, Rick?
2: Yeah. I kind of just want to relate a little story. Um, Years ago, I had there was a local Star Trek group I went to, and they would get um, they would actually get episodes taped on VHS in America and sent over. So I remember when we watched Descent Part One, and there's that moment where um, it's I think Riker says to Picard, everyone down on the planet who's going to be in command of the ship, and it cuts to Beverly, and they're going to put so Picard's putting Dr. Crusher in command, and literally everyone in that room, uh, well. I'd say probably 75% of them burst out laughing and because I, I was, I was teenage at the time. Um, and I always thought it was like, I don't think that's that funny. She is a commander. Um, but I always thought that that scene was maybe set up for laughs. And it's like, as I watched it again and again over years, I thought that scene's not set up for laughs. No, no you know, way. Yeah. It was bothering me. Like, why did they laugh? What's yeah. funny about that? And that kind of like was like a, a little sad lesson in like the attitudes and even even you know amongst Star Trek fans, you would hope would be a little bit more enlightened. But people find it funny, and I never ever understood why. And to this day, I still don't. For sure, she, she was brilliant. She she blew up a book. Oh, so. she was
1: great. Actually, that's a that's actually been a great pick too. She was awesome mm. in that episode.
2: All right, well let's uh,
1: let's go to round one and see if we're going to just keep it real here because I think our number one picks might might just be doing that. I know mine is. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get heated on my number one. Pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Heather, who's your number one underappreciated character?
0: I'm, I'm not going to get heated, <laughs> but this character, I think, really stands out for me because Enterprise was my first live Star Trek on television. Yep. I made it through two seasons, and then I bailed because there wasn't a lot there for me and unfortunately that's when enterprise kind of picks up around the third season and everything my my five words are more than an evil empress and frankly i struggled with a hashtag um uh, the 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 episode that i picked for hoshi sato was zero hour and in that episode um she is you know working to help them destroy the sphere and she is really sick. Like she has just been kidnapped and, and put through a whole lot of hell. So she is like near debilitated. They are making, I mean, Archer is like breathing down her neck. Like you need to do this. Like you need to break this code to make this happen. So my hashtag was something like, you know, working while sick or something lame. As a person with with a debilitating illness, like I sends so many props to her for getting it done while being, like, on death's door, almost. And so my number one underappreciated character in all of Star Trek is Hoshi Sato.
1: I love it. Great pick.
0: So it really is the, the culmination of having a character like Hoshi who starts off kind of promising. Like, she's teaching, she is you know knows all these languages languages she's a linguist she's a code breaker like she can do so many amazing things they bring her on she's excited to get to space and then she's afraid to be there and a lot of how they characterized her kind of fell into some really scary tropes and a bit of it's a strong word to say xenophobia, but the, the way that Star Trek does handle some of its Asian characters is questionable. Um, and while I do appreciate her journey throughout the four seasons of Enterprise, I feel like we never got to see who she really was and a, a true reflection of her abilities and all of the things that made her outstanding.
1: Well, that's a great pick. I love Zero Hour because it's probably her... The moment where she tries to, to well, end her own life to try to save the day by yeah. knowing that they're about to uh, violate her in terms of her, her brain and getting that answer, that was such a hero move. It was so great. So I love Hoshi. I know you, your strong feelings on her, totally legit. I always look – there's not enough moments. There's not enough of them. And for sure Enterprise in terms of being male-centric story was – not a step forward for Star Trek at the time when you would like to see kind of a linear... Yeah. You'd like to see linear progress. Doesn't mean it's bad, but it's not not a linear step forward. No one can argue that. There's only two women in the cast. It doesn't... That part made no sense. Um, Still a great series. Still something I love. Mm -hmm. And I love when they give Hoshi great stuff. She's fantastic. So I've always really appreciated the character and tried to look at it from... From that angle but it's like with beverly for me it's like it's a there's so much more they could have done yeah with i think fe- characters
0: i definitely feel like the women in tng had larger roles and and i mean frankly to paul <laughs> to paul is the main woman character in enterprise like how she is there how she gets assigned to figure out you know what whose favorite cake um I like Enterprise, so I don't want people to think that I hate Enterprise. I have watched it in its entirety several times now, and I love it because it's Star Trek, and I love it because it's Enterprise. Um, I just I do think that they could have done better for the women in uh, the series. It's
1: a it's a constructive way to, to talk about it. There's no nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, Rick, how about you? What's your take on on Hoshi?
2: Hoshi was, Hoshi's on my secondary systems. She was a strong contender for my list for a long time, but ultimately my, my list is a little bit, I don't know, almost irreverent. Yeah. And I found I, I couldn't talk about Hoshi without legitimately getting cr- angry. At the
1: point. <laughs> I knew round um, one was going to get real. I knew round one was going to get real. <laughs> but,
2: but Heather's mentioned her, so everyone stand back. Um. no, <laughs> I, I, I can't really add much to what to what you've said, Heather, because you are absolutely correct. How oh, she's is severely underused and underserved and unappreciated. Yeah, so so much potential in her character, and I think yeah. when you get something, um, and you know the, the names, the the two parts that ended series one and started series two, uh,
1: Shockwave, yeah. Shockwave,
2: thank you. Yeah, in part two, when um, when she's having to crawl through the 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 adducts and everything to get to different quarters and oops she accidentally got a uniform snagged i'm just like <laughs> grow up dudes grow up that's a perfect example
1: because the reality is is that's a cool scene to give her uh, an action moment where you have to mm. crawl through and then they add that moment which is like <laughs> all right that's that's dumb
0: they do that like pretty commonly with hoshi not necessarily a moment like that but like Even, um, oh, I can't think of the episode name, but where she goes to the planet to talk to the, you know, Beauty and the Beast, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, Exile. Yeah, and again, it's like she's being kidnapped. She's being held against her will. Like, there's always this damsel in distress thing happening where, okay, then she has some shining moments, Um, whereas even Empress Hoshi, like, okay here she is with like this full agency but it's it's like she slept her way to the top so like again for women it's just not the best thing ever like yes there are a lot of really strong points for hoshi within the four seasons but they're they may not be what you think basically
1: totally totally get it yep okay rick who is your number one pick in universe on your list? I love this.
2: <laughs> so my five words, no box on his chair. And my hashtag. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for of longest- course it is. It had to be this one. Yeah. I'm going for longest <laughs> hashtag ever. Any other ship he'd be lieutenant, maybe lieutenant commander by now. I'm talking Harry Kim. <laughs> um, and I've particularly picked e Matrix Zero for that box on the chair moment.
1: Oh, that
2: uh, that hurts. Yeah. It's, it's, there's very little Kim in that episode, really, but exemplifies that weird attitude. I don't get why he's still an ensign. He's the operations officer. He stands a night watch. He contributes immeasurably to the ship. Every, every week we see him do something. He comes up with solutions. He puts so much in. In Nightingale, he has to beg for a chance to command a mission. And while he does make mistakes, I kind of feel like, well, actually, who's overseeing his command training there? Is Janeway? Is Chakotay? No. What support has he got? None. So at that point where Paris gets his lieutenant, Pip, back, he's had to see his friend get demoted to England and promoted back while he's untouched. And Kim says, no, oh, I didn't see a little box in my chair. <laughs> and everyone laughs. Why are you laughing at him? Joke to you. It's, oh, and I'm just, it just appalls me. It, it really is. Just, uh, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I mean, I'm, my, I'm doing my list in, in an irreverent way for fun but yeah. it is it is harsh it is bad treatment and I to my, and to my understanding behind the scenes I think there really was a problem where, where he didn't get promoted and they didn't write that in so it's kind of a-
1: well there's two there's t- the in-universe answer there's there's really no explanation for why they wouldn't have there's no excuse no. the out-of-universe answer is the same reason Voyager didn't have the the sustained they had some serialization but not like sustained serialization where the ship was falling apart and things like that from week to week because he was the ensign. And so that's that's he's gonna stay the ensign because we need the we need the the lower wrong person in the cast. That's the out of universe reason for why that was never going to happen. But that's a great pick because it's totally, totally legitimate. I thought about Harry Kim, but uh I didn't go that direction. But in universe, there's really no other, nobody else you could have had at your number one. Uh, Heather, what's your take on
0: Harry Kim? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, again, I'll only briefly mention that we've now mentioned three Asian characters that fall into this box, um, and we'll we'll leave that conversation there. I guess. Wow, but,
1: that is that's very interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think Harry is is. Known for being this this underappreciated character to the point that he was what promoted a couple years ago at STLB by Star Trek Online, that Garrett was. So it's it's turned into a joke at this point, and I think that that really highlights the reality of of how this character was portrayed, um, and it was similar to Hoshi and always winding up in these situations where. Um, you're being kidnapped. You're like being tortured. Um, there's there's something going on there that forwards the story, uh, and especially for Harry Kim because he was so prominent. Like I never felt like he was a secondary character. I felt like he was a main character on the ship, and we got so much of him. So to see him constantly get the shaft that way, yeah, no, he deserved better.
2: When I think about
1: everything we've been through together maybe it's not the destination that matters maybe it's the journey if that journey takes a little longer so we can do something we all believe in i can't think of any place i'd rather be or any people i'd rather be with to the journey you're here to the journey, the journey. All right, well, on that note, and a note that you've just made, uh, Heather, I am going to go to my number one pick because, wow, I'm kind of floored a little bit right now. All right, five words in a hashtag. And this is the one where I'm going to get a little bit heated, so I will be beeping myself. <laughs> Botanist, teacher, wife, and mother. Oh, yes! Hashtag won't run from a fight. In the hands of the prophets is the episode, and the character is Keiko O'Brien. And there is nothing that annoys me more in Trek than people ripping on Keiko Ishikawa O'Brien. And if this pisses you off, well, that's just sexist bull****. <laughs> it's really simple. Because Keiko is not a battle axe. She's not a shrill. She's a fucking supportive wife and a real person. And she's half of the most real relationship ever portrayed in Star Trek. And she's awesome. And I'm swearing because this topic deserves it. <laughs> and I obviously picked in the hand of the prophets because that's the one where she just stands up. She's the first person yeah. to stand up to Vedic win when she's introduced. She sets the tone right from the start from the fight against win for the next six season. She's awesome. She was always going to be my number one choice when Heather suggested this topic.
0: Our studies of the wormhole have shown that it was formed by unique particles we call verderons that are apparently self-sustaining in nature. This begins to explain how a ship at impulse can safely pass through without- Ships are safely guided through the passage by the hands of the prophets. In a manner of
1: speaking?
2: Not apparently in your manner of speaking.
0: Perhaps we should discuss this after class.
2: Do you believe the celestial temple of the
1: prophets exists within the passage? I respect that the Bajoran
0: people believe that it does. But that's not what you teach. No, I don't teach Bajoran spiritual beliefs. That's your job. Mine is to open the children's minds to history, to literature, to mathematics, to science.
1: And I love Rosalind Chow's portrayal of Keiko. She's fantastic and sure you can, you know, Nitpick a couple of things, but it's just a real relationship with her and O'Brien, and she's so supportive and interesting. And if you don't like her, it's just sexist bull. Sorry, that is full stop. And then this other thing that just Heather mentioned that's our number one characters are all Asian, it's the fourth yeah. Asian character. So, I there's something to that here, right? I mean, that's not something we usually try to get into on track ranks, but I think uh, that says something. So Heather, what's your take on uh, Keiko?
0: So she's right there on my secondary systems. Um, I, I only didn't bring her up because I did not want my top five to be all women because I was a little bit worried about going down that there's the angry feminist uh, characterization that people would lump on me. The conversations that I see about Keiko – especially for men, sorry guys, is, is that they strongly dislike her. And I will be honest um, with their relationship. There are times where, yes, I do feel as though that communication is pretty accurate. Like we get annoyed with each other when we're in relationships. And so like, sometimes Miles and Keiko kind of go at it and they snark at each other. And sometimes for me, it's a little difficult to watch just because of previous relationships that were bad relationships that I were in. However, like this is a woman who, you know, went along with her husband to to do this, to go in the station, who didn't really want to be there, who... You know, founded a school and like you said, stood up to Kai Wynn, who's like the worst freaking villain. Like, I'm sorry, but Kai Nguyen is worse than Ducat. That can just be a whole yeah. other episode. Mm-hmm. Stood up, stood up to Kai Wynne, you know, is is a mother this whole time, is is allowing you know Miles to have his own growth and to deal with everything that he does. I think she's just phenomenal and it really when I hear some of the pushback, like I do understand some of it, but I think that it is really a call to kind of question what it is within you that is criticizing her.
1: I think that summarizes it perfectly, Rick. What's your take on Keiko?
2: I'm I'm applauding you so hard for that choice. In my head, it's it's what well, I wish I'd thought of Keiko because she is so unappreciated. In yeah, always. I find it criminal on Deep Space Nine that they shipped her down to Bajor for like a couple of years and they sort of find every excuse to keep her out of the way because when they do a good bit of storytelling, the idea that there's a marriage there, a working marriage with kids and all the, all the compromise and the, all the little bits that marriage entail, I think they do. They do do it quite well because you don't stay married to someone without getting irritated by them for a little now and again. You don't, Always have this blissful romantic uh, conversation all the time. I find I find Keiko and um, Miles' marriage to be pretty real, but hugely underserved. And then poor Keiko is massively ridiculed for it a lot of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: it's it's yeah, it's huge. she's hugely unappreciated.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't pick her because I pick her hundred percent because of the fan reaction to her. I actually like when she. I wouldn't use the term shift off to Bajor. I, I liked that storyline because I thought it was real. It's like mm. she doesn't want to just be a teacher on a space. Yeah. That's, not what, that's not her calling, her passion, her her profession. So when they set that up, I thought that's cool because now she can actually do it. And I really like that dynamic between her and Miles because it's not easy when you're living apart. Yeah. I did that for two years with my wife in one city and myself in another. So, yep. um, oh. yeah, I, yeah, I like that part of it.
2: No, it, it's it's massively real and it's very much in the, I've come here for you, but I need to do my thing. Yeah. There's a cynical part of me that just feels it was written because they didn't really want to bother with Keiko to an extent. And I might be being over cynical and over. Yeah, I don't
1: think that. that, but I, I, I get that. That I mean, there, yeah. may, there might be a little bit to it, but I mean, it's listen, it's a dense show. There's a lot they got to talk about. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad they didn't just put here's what my here's my point. Cynical would have been just keep her as a teacher and then not show her. Mm. Like, well, she's off at the school True. teaching. That would have been bad. I like the fact that they at least created something.
0: Yeah, I, I do appreciate that she did have agency and saying like, no, I want to go to Bajor to like, they need me. And, and when she needed to stay longer, she was like, no, I need to yeah. stay like, this isn't a conversation. This is my work and I'm doing it. Yep. And so I respect a lot of those things in that, you know, committing to what she wants to do for herself, as well as being a mother and like taking Molly with her. Um, that's a really difficult thing. Um, I imagine that is difficult for a father to have to lose his child for a time. And then even when it comes down to um, when Yoshi is is conceived and that whole process, <laughs> um, that was just a really phenomenal thing to see on Star Trek, um, having Kira you know, host oh, right. the baby <laughs> and yeah. watching Keiko and Miles work through that. Um, I think that there is a lot more positivity and, um, again, that realism than then what is given when you just think of Keiko O'Brien? Like most people think she is like this shrill, shrewd of a woman. And again, I'm not going to go into how that also plays into Asian stereotypes, but there is a lot there uh, to think about. And I challenge people to think about those things when they have that reaction.
1: All right. On this very special episode of Trek Ranks, (laughs) we uh wow this is that's is a great topic i knew it was going to be fantastic track conversation so let's let's rattle off some quick secondary systems picks heather who do you got that just missed your list?
0: so they were all women like it's awesome. just it's it's where i go um one that was kind of super obscure was jim from the empath oh
1: that's a really yeah. cool
0: pick yeah for someone to really carry an episode that had no money to invest in it. I just thought that, that she was phenomenal. Like she was really kind of the, the focus there, regardless of, you know, what was going on with the, uh, what McCoy and Kirk and uh, Spock around her. Um, And then I had like number one, but again, like that's kind of iffy because of, you know, we got a glimpse and then we get her in Discovery and there's still, like, not enough. I think that my main standout from Secondary Systems was going to be Ariam from Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And she wound up being a, an extremely controversial character now because of how her death was handled. Um she's been there the whole time y'all like she may not have been featured but she's been there she's been an episode she's been part of the crew she's been doing things to help their mission and she sacrificed her life to save everyone and so I just wish that more people would kind of appreciate what she was instead of having to have a big conversation about that we didn't get enough of a certain scene three episodes ago.
1: I wouldn't. I would refuse to take part in that conversation because <laughs> really, really narrow, really narrow. It's people just aren't understanding how things work. That episode, Project Dale, is really strong. It was written by Michelle Paradise, who's the new showrunner for Discovery, and the emotion that you get in that episode and the, what they accomplish with that character is fantastic. And all that other BS around how that is just. Noise. <laughs> Just completely ignoring it. Okay, Rick, any uh any secondary system picks on your end?
2: Um yeah, I had a few. I um I thought of Scotty in Relics. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's totally he's totally under
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but I, I kind of I eliminated that on the basis that Scotty's referred to as a miracle worker almost everywhere else. Right. right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Hoshi was high on my list as I say. I had to get him. I well, couldn't,
1: Find a way to do it without getting angry. So. Scotty's, uh, Scotty's a good uh, in-universe underappreciated. If you're picking relics, yeah, uh, that's 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 classic. All right, so I just had a few on my secondary systems. I had Chakote, I love Chakotay, and I feel like fans hammer him a little too hard. And I had Lily Sloan, too, only because she's. Mm-hmm. She, I, I don't think she's necessarily underappreciated, but she should be overappreciated because she's awesome. I don't think. She's kind of re- remembered as much. And then my special shout out. I wasn't going to put her on the list because she's, she's way underappreciated as a character in my book based on my interactions with people watching discovery, but it is Michael Burnham. Yeah. <laughs> I love this character. It's my favorite thing about discovery. And every time I kind of see a poll or anything about characters, she's always at the bottom of them. and people are like, I don't really like Michael, but I like all this. And I'm like, I don't get that. So, but yeah.
0: we'll
1: leave that commentary for another day. <laughs> All right. That was a fantastic, interesting topic. Had no idea what direction it was going to go. A lot of new ground covered here on Trek Ranks tonight. But now it's time to wind down and move into our weekly regeneration cycle. Computer, activate regeneration cycle, alcoves beta and gamma. All right, Heather, let's recap your top five underappreciated characters. Hit it.
0: All right. So my number five, the episode is Plato's Stepchildren. Um, It is uh, Star Trek TOS, and the character is Alexander, who I just (laughs) adore so much. Um, My number four is um, Mestral from Star Trek Enterprise, Carbon Creek, or Mestral. Sorry, I say it. I say it as it's in front of me because I'm a reader, (laughs) y'all okay my number three uh, is my heart um it is ds9 sacrifice of angels zeal my number four again my heart um we have a ds9 after image esri dax and then my number one oh i wish we got more of her um, star trek enterprise the episode is zero hour and she is hoshi sato
1: Awesome list. So you had two from DS9 and Enterprise and one from TOS and three women and two men on your list. Awesome. Rick, uh, yeah, break down your five.
2: Okay. I had from TNG, Commander Calvin Hutchinson from Starship Mine. Uh, Again, from TNG, the Holographic Moriarty from Ship in a Bottle. From the Motion Picture, I had Will Decker. Again, from TNG, I had Beverly Crusher and Suspicions. And my number one was Voyager, Harry Kim, and Unimatrix Zero.
1: It'd be nobody but Harry Kim in the universe list. So you had three from TNG, which is awesome, and one from TOS, and one from Voyager, and four guys and one woman. And on my list, my number five was Sulu from Voyager, which doesn't really... (laughs) (laughs) flashback uh, the Voyager episode my number four pick was Tuvok from uh, Voyager episode Gravity number three pick DS9 episode Penumbra the character Esri Dax my number two pick Beverly Crusher the high ground from TNG and my number one underappreciated character From Deep Space Nine, in the hands of the prophets, Keiko O'Brien, who I think is awesome. So I had two from Voyager, two from Deep Space Nine, one from TNG, and I had three women and two men as well. So some of the stats, we did have two duplicates. We split it right down the middle. So we had eight men and seven women out of our 15 picks. Uh, For breaking it down by species, we had eight humans, two trills, two Vulcans, (laughs) and one computer heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Moriarty. We could maybe combine Will Decker with Moriarty as kind of a uh, digital entity now that he combined with Deidre. Okay. Awesome. Awesome conversation and picks. I love it. But as we do every week, we've once again entered a temporal causality loop. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you.
0: The Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop, and I suspect that something similar may have happened to you.
1: This week, we're jumping back to episode 52 in our Scenes in Trek series, and this was our top five scenes in a brig. Such a fun episode, always my favorite topic to do, our Scenes in Trek. Bunch of deep-cut standout picks, and I'm going to relay right now. First up, from our good friend Matt Hansen at mhansen 207 Three of his picks that kind of stood out were Kirk, Spock, and Khan in Into Darkness, and Trek Ranks loves Into Darkness. He also picked Odo and Thrax in Things Past from Deep Space Nine. Super cool, deep cut pick. And from Discovery, The War Without the War Within, he had that great scene with Cornwell and L'Rell in the brig. From Andorian Soup, at Andorian Soup on Twitter. I love this pick. He picked the... All the people, all the all of Lorca's crew in the agony booth. <laughs> <laughs> Despite yourself and all the Aww. ambition, that stuff was great in the first season of Discovery. Also, uh, great another great pick from Captain Rebo, who is at Captain underscore Rebo on Twitter. He picked Martok telling Cisco to kill Gowron in Apocalypse hey. Rising. Another great break scene that we didn't think of and. Pretty sure he's the yeah. only person to submit that pick. I love it. Deborah Moltisanti, who we're going to get on the show. She's one of our regulars. She's at Silverdough25. She had Little Green Men and the Ferengis being held in captivity in uh, uh-huh. deep Space nine, which is cool. And then I think my favorite kind of existential pick this week was from our friends, Mike and Emily, over at Legacy Trek Podcast, who are at Leg- Trek Legacy on Twitter and they picked, who we just talked about, Matt Decker in the Constellations Auxiliary Room in the Doomsday Machine, because that was an existential prison that he was in, knowing that he had <laughs> just killed his entire crew and his life was pretty much over. <laughs> That's just a deep cut, deep cut pick. As Brilliant. Mike said, way off script was that uh, description. So I love those, those picks. As always, more than enough to get us out of this week's Temporal Causality Loop. So thanks again, everyone, for sending all your great feedback. Keep those lists coming to me at TrekRank so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put your own list together of top five underappreciated characters. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you directly. You can call us at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. At 609-512-LLAP. Hopefully, we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we're doing our top five road trips. So, it's been on our long list for a while. It's a classic, simple topic. So, Heather and Rick, what would you choose off the top of your head as one of your top five road trips in Trek History. Anything jumping out at you, Rick? The first thing that was problematic is that the entire seven years of Voyager. But, um, <laughs> well, that, that might be cheating, but again, we encourage <laughs> cheating on Trek. Right? So, do you love to cheat?
2: Otherwise, I think I would say uh, Picard and Wesley in Samaritan Snare.
1: Ooh, yes, that's a really good one. I, had, yeah. uh, I haven't really tried to think about my list yet, but that is a really, really good one. And they have sandwiches. <laughs> have there any uh, road trip popping into your head
0: how are you defining this
1: <laughs> it's up to you to define so.
0: <laughs> oh lord that's like i think anything from like kirk on a motorcycle and beyond um Ooh. to um like uh, going like like road trip time traveling and carpenter street and enterprise like i have all over ideas for well, that so
1: i like i like kirk on a motorcycle that would be like the literal road trip because he's literally on a road on a bike uh in a cu- couple of times in uh, in the kelvin time <laughs> yeah i, I like that i like that
0: i'm trying to think if he's ever on the motorcycle in this and in, into darkness but no, i, I th- don't think he is i think it's just 2009 and beyond
1: just the just the book and that's why people don't like in the darkness First <laughs> figured it out okay that's awesome all right so before we wrap it up a huge thanks to our guests tonight heather barker and rick emerson i uh, hope you guys had fun any final trek thoughts uh, heather
0: uh, my only final Trek thought, since I have mentioned it a couple times um, or referred to it, is that I hope everyone will please check out Federation Feminist, which is my new podcast. Um, we don't have our episode out yet. It's coming, but you can follow us at FedFeministPod. And so if you want to hear more about some of the things I brought up tonight, that's where to go.
1: Fantastic. Uh,
2: Rick, uh, hope you had fun, man absolutely loads of fun i'm totally going to check out that podcast as well because that sounds awesome
0: okay thank you
1: all right well thanks again everyone for engaging with us here on episode 57 of the trek ranks podcast as always i want to close by saying i'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where i belong
2: Hi there, thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to FiveYearMission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and FiveYearMission.net. Check them out today. I
1: didn't notice a little box on my chair.